Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. It's the original sin of Canada's federal vaping regulations, the enshrinement of vaping as a health hazard. Every aspect of nicotine vaping in Canada is regulated based on this assumption, as opposed to regulating vaping as a safer source of nicotine for smokers trying to quit. The difference between these two approaches is massive, and for nearly 1 million Canadians, the difference could be a matter of life or death. As RegWatch viewers know, since nicotine vaping became legal in Canada in the spring of 2018, vaping has weathered constant assault from a moral panic over teen vaping. Health Canada, the agency responsible for regulating nicotine vaping products, has responded with increasing restrictions, which now threaten the viability of vaping in this country. Joining us today to discuss these restrictions and the regulatory review just launched by Health Canada is David Levesque, National Vaping Advocate and Founding Partner at Digital Smoke Supplies. David, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Brian. It's funny, you're talking to me. I wonder if I should smile, but it's there's no laughing matter. You know, like usually you should, you should want to smile, but this is not funny. No, it's hard. It's hard to decide really what kind of emotion to have. Look, I mean, nicotine vaping in Canada, David, is governed under the TVPA, the Tobacco and Vaping Products Act, is legislation that was made law following exhaustive discussions and deliberations, beginning with the House of Commons Standing Committee on Health in the mid-2010s, and then with the Senate's tabling of Bill S-5 in 2016, which created the regulatory framework, which created the TVPA that governs the industry today. So no smiles, all frowns, I'm sure. What's your impression of the way in which Health Canada is regulating the industry today? When you do regulation like this and you're called Health Canada, you you have responsibilities for all Canadians. And what if, what they've done is focus on the youth and not look at the 4 million smokers. And now we're in a predicament three years later where it's instilled in us that this is what we're looking at. We're not even talking about harm reduction. We're not talking about getting smokers off cigarette. Uh, we're, we're focused on youth, youth, youth. And, and so this is this is where we stand i mean we we i mean luckily from 2018 to 20 uh from 2017 to 2018 we managed to get a serious increase in conversion and get more people off cigarette but we're far from being done there's still four million smokers which two million of them will die you know and then we're looking at youth 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 that are not smoking they're using nicotine product illegally which they obtain illegally, uh, and then we're going to destroy a, a, an entire industry based on people doing things illegally. Look at enforcement. Enforce the legislation you have in place. You know, like if, if people are doing things illegally, and then you're going to, on top of that, you're going to put the hammer on the smokers because kids are doing something illegal. Like it, it makes no sense. And, and Health Canada has missed the mark lost their objective, uh, which is to take care of all Canadians. Health Canada has just issued last week um, a consultation uh, regarding the TVPA. I've got it up here. It's the Tobacco and Vaping Products Act Legislative Review. After the first three years of legislation, 
Health Canada is supposed to conduct a review, and this would also be, you know, a political review too as well at some at some part of it too, on the TVPA. And they've reached out to Canadians and asked them some very specific questions um, after providing them some information and detail about the state of vaping in Canada. And I think importantly, on some of the restrictions and prohibitions that Health Canada has put in place already to address the teen vaping issue and more to come. And that being specifically the potential flavor ban, which would annihilate vaping as a viable option um, in the country. What do you think of their request for consultation from the public? Well, look, I, I uh, embrace the fact that they're doing this consultation to the public. You know, to for having a few uh, meetings with MP, uh, it seems like it's, it's uh, common for uh, these reviews just to get a an easy stamp of approval and you just move on but the reality is you know you've mentioned the the way the law has been written you're supposed to be doing a review after three years now we're going almost on year four but okay covid will give them the time that they needed but this is not a full review this is this is a review that will focus primarily on the vaping related provision in particular the provision to protect young persons I mean, this is not what, by law, this, nobody says that you get to review a specific provision and then we'll review the other one in three years. Where, where is the, I mean, they do touch some of these topics, you know, harm, harm reduction and the notion of the perception of how harmful vaping is, because the reality is 22% of smokers uh, think that vaping is less harmful, only 22%. You translate that to the, the population, uh, it's 4% of the population. I mean, they have failed miserably, but nowhere in there do they really ask, you know, I mean, it's all about youth. It's all about youth. What are we doing for the smokers? What are we doing for the vapors? The people that did transition, the people that are looking to transition, the dual users, Nowhere in there do we specifically ask questions to talk about this. Luckily, they left a small little question which says, is there anything you want to add? And hopefully uh, people take that opportunity to kind of shove it back in their faces. So we're very familiar with what's in this uh, legislation and what's in the law now. I'm sad to say that it, it certainly the focus on youth uh, that they talk about today is exactly what the TVPA uh, sets out as its main objectives. The objectives are protecting young people and non-users of tobacco products from inducements to use vaping products. Number two, protecting the health of young persons and non-users of tobacco products from exposure to and dependence on nicotine that could result from the use of vaping products, protecting the health of young persons by restricting access to vaping products, preventing the public from being deceived or misled with respect to the health hazards of using vaping products. And again, there's the, the crux of the issue in our mind is that the assumption is that it's a hazard 
and that's the only type of communication that can be made, and enhancing a public awareness of those hazards. Now, keep in mind, these are exactly the same objectives of Bill S-5. There's not, they haven't done a switcheroo. This is what the legislation was. And to that end, let's watch. We've just got a few minutes here of our coverage from an October 2017 piece that we did, which was pushing back on Bill S-5. Messy compromise or promise delivered? That's the question RegWatch first posed late last year following the federal government's introduction of Senate Bill S-5, Canada's new federal vaping regulations. Today, opposition to Bill S-5 is growing as opponents charge the legislation is turning out to be less of a compromise and more of a mess. Some say the bill is workable, but only with major changes, while others just want the legislation scrapped altogether. In late August, S-5 opponents secured support for a House of Commons e-petition, calling for the federal government to halt Bill S-5 in order to create a fair and logical category for vaping products apart from tobacco. In just over a month, 7,000 Canadians have signed the e-petition, proving a measure of support for what amounts to scrapping the bill. It's a big ask. For one, Bill S-5, which began life in the Senate, has already cleared the upper chamber and is expected to move quickly through the House of Commons this fall. Also, Health Canada is fast-tracking stakeholder consultation for its regulatory proposals to ensure industry regulations will be ready once Bill S-5 receives royal assent. Add it all up, Bill S-5 is a freight train racing towards terminus station, but can it be stopped? Bill S-5 opponents say yes, the legislation could and should be stopped. They believe Health Canada's decision to regulate vaping products alongside tobacco products within the new Tobacco and Vaping Products Act is a fatal flaw in the government's strategy to win the war against tobacco-related disease and death. From the outset, vaping advocates called on the Government of Canada to create a brand new product category uniquely for tobacco harm reduction products, which would also enjoy its own purposefully built legislative framework. Harm reduction advocates feared if vaping were to be shackled to tobacco in any legislative way, it would be impossible to define and promote vaping as a safer alternative to smoking. This fear now seems well-founded. Despite years of public consultation, stakeholder collaboration, and expert testimony given at both the HESA and SOKI committee hearings, Bill S-5 today remains unmistakably tobacco regulation. In Bill S-5, the language that governs vaping all but mirrors the language governing tobacco, including harsh restrictions on free speech and sharing of information with the public, a prohibition on comparing products along a continuum of health risk, and the imposition of massive fines and criminal penalties. Many advocates were hopeful that by this point in the process, Health Canada would have taken steps to incorporate vaping as a tool for harm reduction somewhere in the bill, or at the very least soften some of the disparaging language that enshrines vaping as a health hazard. Yet despite numerous statements by Health Canada that acknowledge vaping as a likely less harmful alternative to tobacco, neither this statement nor its sentiment appear anywhere in the legislation. 
think what Bill S5 aims to do is really to balance the issue of allowing adults, particularly adult smokers, legal access to vaping products as a likely less harmful alternative to tobacco products. Could you clarify a little bit that likely less uh, addictive or, or less harmful? What, what's the wording in the position there exactly? The position is likely less harmful and the idea here is that we know that tobacco products kill one in two long-term users. The evidence right now is indicating that that same level of harm is not evident in vaping products. That was Susie McDonald, the former Director General of the Tobacco Control Directorate at Health Canada, in an interview with RegWatch conducted early this year. Her statement that vaping products are a likely less harmful alternative to tobacco products is difficult to square with the stated purpose of Bill S-5, which is, the purpose of the act is to enhance the public awareness of the health hazards of using vaping products. It's really quite astonishing. Health Canada states smoking kills one in two long-term users and acknowledges the same level of harm is not evident in vaping products. All the while, it shepherds through Bill S-5 with the stated goal of misinforming Canadians of this potentially life-saving fact. As we're talking about this, I mean, you showed me the TVPA um, uh, points to target or, or whatever, objectives. Uh, I realized that, you know, maybe at that time uh, I wasn't that thorough in my knowledge of what the TVPA to me it was, you know, before 2018, we were in a gray market. Uh, you know, we were, we had to get our nicotine however we could to manufacture e-liquid. And so for me, it was uh, regulation that, that made us now legal, which I remember CVA saying, you guys are now, Health Canada said, you know, you're now legal. Um, and, and, but I didn't realize all these nuance, you know, uh, and, and yeah, how, how can you say that it's less harmful and we want people to know? And then on the other side, it's, uh, we want to enhance the hazards like it, it doesn't work unless you enhance that it's 5% of the hazards of tobacco. Right. So some form of relative risk. And I mean, you know, and going through the TVPA uh, review document here, Health Canada pays some lip service to those relative risk statements, which they had, you know, snuck out to the industry back in the fall of 2018, which would have made a massive difference if they were actually put out. But of course, the moral panic over the teen, so-called teen vaping epidemic, you know, axed those. And then of course, E-Valley, you know, all but killed that. And then COVID on top of that, forget it. So, I mean, has there, I don't even know what the right question is here. Is that, I mean, is it even workable uh, for vaping under the current TVPA with the constraints that exist and the basic assumptions of the of the legislation. The answer to the question, I'm not sure what it is, but I can tell you that, in my opinion, Health Canada has failed their own mission, their mission statement, which is Health Canada. Health Canada is committed to improving the lives of all of Canada's people and to making this country's population among the LTS in the world. So, how can you try to achieve that? without trying to get people off cigarette, combustible tobacco. The problem I think is that they want people to quit, but they don't want people to vape. 
you know, because otherwise, I, I like just that for me is the major, major flaw. Like if that's your target, that's what you got to do. And, and it goes by saying, kids, non-users, don't vape. There is a risk associated to it. It's that simple. Smokers, one of, one of two will die. If you convert to this, your risk are much less. And, and they do mention it in here that the consensus is that vaping is less harmful. So why not add a balance in your, your, in your statements and your approach and, and your, your they, they, there is no balancing. And, and to me, I, I look at this and I say, okay, well, why isn't there no balance? I mean, it comes from the pressure from, you know, whoever they're funding to lobby themselves. David, I'd like to turn the topic back to flavor bans. We, we spoke about it up at the start. It really is the hammer that's hanging over the head of the vaping industry. I want to take our viewers back to um, spring of 2017 when the Senate Standing Committee was holding their hearings on uh, Bill S-5. And so what we have here is we have the Minister of Health, at the time, Jane Philpott, um, speaking. We have some questions from Senator Art Eagleton uh, and a few comments uh, from the Deputy Assistant Minister at Health Canada. So let's take a listen. In terms of the flavors, you specifically mentioned flavors that could be appealing to youth. Uh, you, you mentioned candy and chocolates, bubblegum, for example. I can understand that. Um, and we, we do want to keep it away from youth. Uh, but some of those same flavors are also attractive to the people who are on a smoking cessation. Because, you know, a lot of, a lot of what you're going to do here is by regulation. It's not all in this, uh, this bill. A lot, of it, a lot of it's going to come subsequently. Uh, and it's a little unclear to me as to how you're going to draw the line on that. But I understand from what you're saying in, in, in your original response to Senator uh, Pettyclerk was that, in fact, um, it's in the advertising and in the promotion where you might prohibit them saying chocolate or bubblegum or candy, but that actually you're not going to prohibit any of those flavors for anybody that wants to have them, any adult that wants to have them as part of a cessation program. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes, and you're absolutely right that this will be done um, largely through regulations and of course there'll be, as with any regulations, opportunity for, for consultation in that process. My, my uh, officials may want to clarify this further, but um, it, it's, as I understand it, 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 because of the chemical structure of flavoring, it would be almost impossible to, to sort of actually you know, be able to list the, the, what a specific taste is like. There's so many types of tastes that something could have. Um, so we, there would not be anything to prohibit something tasting in a palatable, appealing way, which might allow, as you said, somebody who's a, currently a smoker to find it easier to switch to a less harmful product. Uh, but it's, again, in the spirit of protecting youth to not give these flavors names that would uh, make it sound like they were something appetizing Advertising and, and appealing to to young people. I don't well, know chocolate whether chocolate could go both ways. <laughs> go so, <ahead. laughs> do you want to give a bit more detail on that? 
Yes, uh, thank you. As the minister says, the approach that we're taking here is rooted in the quest for balance, you know, balancing the objective of helping smokers to quit while at the same time protecting young people against potentially a lifelong nicotine addiction. So it's, it's all about the balance. The Minister of Health, you know, refers to harm reduction several times, but yet that never made it into the bill. That clip that I showed you from the RegWatch piece was October 2017. This was in April 2017, the, the Senate hearings. And so all this lip service to harm reduction, but it's not in the bill at all. It's completely absent. The only objectives are preventing youth use. Look, I, I mean, you've been at this for much longer than I have. You've seen it all. Um, you know, uh, there's the... the, the I'm wondering why uh, you're not having these discussion with the Health Canada themselves, uh, maybe because they don't want to pick up your call anymore. But uh, this senator had the right questions. So now, how does something, you know, you say something, you do something else, you present it. How does it get royal assent? How does it get approved? How come nobody in the Senate, you know, raises their hand and say, look, that's not what we talked about. That's not what we agreed. You know, that's not what he told us. You know, you got to walk the walk, talk the talk and, and do what you said you were going to do. So uh, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, this has been, you know, it's been on all of our minds for uh, five years trying to figure out what are they doing over there? How do they get this so wrong? What about the industry? Could they have done something a bit better or been attentive more to the issue? I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, what really brought me onto the front line has been a flavor ban. Uh, you know, being in Quebec, uh, dealing with dealing with not being able to talk about arm reduction and the benefits of vaping has been in place since 2015. So uh, my eyes and, I, you know, wasn't really on that target because it doesn't apply to me. And, you know, when you hear these conversation, it looks like it's going in the right direction. So why, why are you going to go nuts and trying to make sure that it sounds like they're about to do the right, the right thing. But, you know, like in retrospect, I, I do like in, since 2015, we haven't had uh, the, the right to advertise in Quebec and, and didn't hurt the sales. You know, the stores have still been performing. Uh, there's still new customers on a regular basis converting. I think that, you know, maybe we could have been more proactive and look at the potential pitfall of all this marketing. You know, I mean, but the reality is, you know, you look at Instagram. I mean, they started, they started to, Health Canada started hammering down Instagram last year in 2021 because it was COVID. They can't do visits. Now let's do the online visit well that law has been in place since 2020 uh and and when you talk about the flavors that you can't describe that was 2018 so why couldn't they target this back then and tackle these issues they they didn't the lack of enforcement has been one of the main reasons you know, the, some of the delays in the legislation, the regulation that they put in place, and then the lack of enforcement. And let me read, actually, this is from page seven in the consultation document. 
There have also been concerns that an increase in youth vaping may lead to increases in youth smoking rates in Canada. However, recent data presented below suggests that, thus far, this has not been the case. Smoking rates for both youth and adults continue to decline and are at an all-time low. The prevalence of daily smoking among youth aged 15 to 19 years was so low that it was considered to be unreportable in 2020. So this completely disproves any notion of a gateway theory. And in my mind, the flavor ban is, is predicated on the fact that young people will start vaping, vaping leads to smoking, smoking leads to smoking-related disease and death, and that is the cost-benefit that Health Canada, the cost-benefit that Health Canada relies upon to justify a ban on flavors in Canada. And here they are admitting that vaping is not leading uh, to smoking. Yeah, and it's funny that you you say this because in my um, CG1 Gazette submission, that was my first and and you know introduction and said, basically, you're saying if you vape, you're gonna smoke, if you smoke, blah, blah, blah. Based on the fact that this is not true, based on this research and this research, you should just not move ahead with what you're suggesting because you're totally wrong. You're saying it is based on the fact that if you vape, you're going to smoke and then you're going to have those diseases. But if if the whole argument is false, then don't move forward. If you want to move forward anyway, here's another 10, 12 reason why you shouldn't be doing it. But that was my introduction because it's all based on that assumption. And now they have just told us that they were wrong. Not in those words, but that's what it means. And, and you know, in regards to the uh, vaping rate uh, in youth that's, that's down uh, or that's, that's stagnant, I mean, there's also a lot of uh, research that during COVID, smoking was way up. The first layer of questions that Health Canada puts out and in my mind, this is indicative now of exactly their position. In a way, they're using rhetoric um, in their questions. They're not using real facts. They're not really trying to garner the truth, which makes, I think, this entire process suspect. Questions. Are the current restrictions on advertising and promotional activities adequately protecting youth? Are the restrictions within the Act and its regulations sufficient to address potential, potential inducements to use these products by youth? Are there other measures that the government could employ to protect youth? Does the TV, TVPA contain the appropriate authorities? So do we have enough power? The last question here, has scientific evidence emerged in this area since the legislation was enacted in 2018 that points to the need for additional action or further restrictions? Additional action or further restrictions? That's baked in the cake biased question. That's, that's the rhetoric. They already know the answers they're looking for from each one of these questions. If not, they, they would be open and say, is there scientific evidence out there that, you, that could point to rolling back some of the restrictions? Yeah, I mean, look, there, there is no going back. There's never any going back. I mean, you know. It just doesn't happen. So for me, that I, I, I'm not surprised by it. I don't expect it. I don't, you know, it, 
doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that, you know, your question, every single one of your question ended with youth. But we go back to their mission statement. It's supposed to be for all Canadians. And, and, you know, I just don't know why. And, and, you know, I, I encourage people to bring back the conversation to the topic of a balancing act as the assistant over there said, this is what we need to see. So, yeah, I mean, it does feel like they have an agenda and they just want some people to say, yeah, go for it, which, which, you know, I have a question for you, you know, looking at this, this paper, how many, how many expert submission, well, I don't know if you would call it a submission in this case, but how many expert submission do you need to counter uh, a lung association? How many David Sweener do you need to counter David Hammond? How many end consumer do you need to counter one? Uh, you know, like, I, I really wonder how they're going to look at this because do I, you know, scientific, I understand my opinion. I'm not a scientific. I give you my opinion. Well, we have the opinion of expert. We're going to take that first. Okay. Now expert for expert, which one weighs in more? Is it the one that's funded by Health Canada or is it the independent one that works, you know, at University of British Columbia? So it'll be very interesting to see how they go about this. I mean, I've reviewed uh, the previous one, how they went about it. I mean, it's not, it's not clear. They, they see, well, we saw this, we saw this, and we're still going there, you know? So um, I don't know. So let's talk next steps here in terms of um, what the industry and vapors out there can do. I've thrown up here um, a new campaign website that you've been working on called tvpareview.ca. Walk us through this. Well, basically, I mean, if you've been uh, in the loop with, uh, with Flavor Band, uh, this will look very similar uh, or familiar. Uh, it's basically going to be uh, a way for people to send their submission to Health Canada, uh, you know, like to try to find where to send the email and, and to who and, and under what format. It's very difficult for most. So, um, you know, this is a very simple tool where uh, you can go about it two ways. You can write your own submission and your own words and, and very uh, really kind of go in depth on the points that we suggest you talk about or additional points, which is, which is an option as well. Um, or you can answer these multiple choice answers and this will formulate uh, a submission for you based on those answers you've given. So obviously you have to state if you have a, a conflict of interest, if you're working in pharma or if you own a, a vape industry, something in the vape industry or tobacco. Um, and then you would just go on and go through these questions and, and uh, provide those answers. For me specifically, I don't know what to check here. The answer to this is vape employees do not um, do not have to uh, declare a conflict of interest. So they do get paid by uh, vape, vape businesses. So 
but the owner has to. So if you're an employee of a right, of, right interesting. This is the uh, the kind of elaborate version where you'll be filling in your own blanks. So these will be questions. Obviously, here uh, it's more related to a little bit of backstory from you know, are you a smoker? When do you start smoking? Uh, if you're a non-smoker, non-vapor, you support harm reduction. So you'll be able to, you know, talk about uh, your your history and et cetera. And then if there are things that you're not familiar with or that you'd rather not, you know, uh, discuss, you could skip the topic. But, um, you know, we try to, we, <laughs> the same way, the same way Health Canada focuses on youth, we try to, uh, make it more broad and put things a little bit into perspective. I mean, people should not forget that the voice of 24,000 adult vapor uh, were uh, ignored. So, you know, the question is, do you think that Health Canada has taken into consideration the Canadian smoker with their implementation of regulations on vaping? Excellent. I think that's an excellent, excellent question to have. Yeah, that was a, a, a team effort. That's uh, definitely not all me. So David, I mean, this is this is excellent. So just wrapping up here, what's the last, you know, plea to vapors and, and people in the industry? Uh, how, how much time is left um, to make this happen? So the deadline is April 27th um, on the Flavor Gazette One consultation. We had 75 days. This time they gave us 45. Um, I'm not familiar with the reasoning behind that. Uh, I'm sure it all makes sense. Um, but now, you know, this is just launching this weekend. So uh, you're looking at um, 35 days now, probably from, from then, you know, took a, a serious amount of time and work to turn this around. So now, you know, I would hope that people reach out to their families, reach out to their, their customers if they're within the vape industry. I mean, we need a maximum uh, input, uh, a maximum amount of people to give their input on this consultation. The outcome of this, I'm not sure what it means. You know, does that, if we send 10,000 of them, what does it do? Who knows? I mean, they can ignore us the same way they ignore us the first time, but you know, at least we're gonna keep fighting and keep trying. Hopefully, you know, maybe this takes it to HESA uh, but at the same time, you know, we just went through Bill S5, which went through ASA. So I, you know, like it's, there's no guaranteed, but you gotta keep trying. You gotta keep fighting and, and see what the outcome is. I mean, otherwise we'll be sitting, sitting here and a year's time and said, what could we have done differently to save flavors and, and save the vaping industry in Canada?